receive from a man of God according to your revelation of who he is. You receive from a man of God according to the revelation of what you believe he carries. Many people will call a man of God a pastor. Some might say he has a mantle as a teacher. Some might say that he's a prophet, an evangelist, or whatever you want to say. But I know that Pastor Preji isn't a pastor. He's an apostle. And so, having, having received the blessing of my father to come, I say that with his blessing as well. That you are an apostle to nations. Amen. Amen. So as the man of God said, I haven't slept much. As a matter of fact, you know, a man of God is not a man of God unless he prays. You have to understand, there are cities and nations that are looking for people to take dominion. This is God's land, God's territory. Right? And the Bible says that he's waiting for the sons to rise up and to take authority. Waiting for sons and daughters to rise up and take the authority back. Take dominion back. Many times as Christians, we're very quiet. Right? We serve God from the comfort of our home and from the comfort of our church meeting. But that's not a son and a daughter. A son and a daughter, regardless of where you are or who you are with, you're a son and daughter of your mother and father right so we are called as sons and daughters to walk in that dominion to walk in that power to walk in that authority and the thing is that you don't have to demand or command the authority how many of you know a prince doesn't need to yell at you for you to know that he has authority over you he can whisper to you he can just look at you and you get up and run why because the authority is a mantle it's placed on him it's invisible it's something that everything that's invisible bows down to and obeys so when you begin to understand the mantle that is on you, you won't need to speak. You just look in certain directions and demons will already begin to run away from you. I'm telling you, authority is already coming back to some of your homes today. Jesus, when he preached, didn't have titles to his message. But if I have to give one, I said today's title is going to be in the name of the Father, the Son, and Judas. They said, there's clickbait for you. Listen, there's, um, there are some things that have been happening in the world. There's a lot of churches that go through divisions. They go through separations. A lot of churches break apart. And honestly, the reason why many churches break apart is because there's lack of teaching. There's lack of teaching in churches that prevent people from going their own direction and creating their own theology. From starting their own group, starting their own church from inside of a church. Starting their own ministry from inside of a ministry. And so because many churches don't have proper teaching, I thought I would bring to you one of the most crucial teachings that we have in the Word of God today. And I'm going to back it up, not only with Scripture, but we're going to continue on and take it even deeper tomorrow. And then with the Lord's leading, on the following day, I'd like to dive into the river. Yeah. Came out of 14 days with my spiritual father, Pastor Shaiju Matthew. And I'm telling you, you can swim, but it's a lot more fun when you're swimming with your father. I mean, you know, when you swim your, with your father, you just, you're, at, you're at perfect rest. You know that it doesn't matter what's in the water. It doesn't matter how big the fish is. It doesn't matter how many teeth are on the shark. My dad's here. The shark must go away. There's something that you learn when you walk with a father. There are things that you see. 
As a matter of fact, when you're a son and when you're a daughter, when you walk with your parents is when you realize what it is to be a parent. Nobody teaches you how to be a mother or father. But you become a mother or father. And you begin to act and behave like a mother or father. Why? Because of someone that you watched. Because of someone that you saw. Because of someone that left an impact on your life. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about fathers and sons. How many of you know that Throughout, the, throughout scripture, you'll see many times God sends people. He'll send the people to the Israelites. He'll send a Moses. He'll send an Elijah. He sent Jesus. Throughout scripture, you see where God sends somebody. Anytime someone is sent from God, they're a sent man. A sent man is somebody that is, goes to a location, goes to a group of people, has a specific assignment, and it's backed up by the hand of God. It's backed up by the voice of God. And so what happens is many times when we don't recognize that someone is sent by God, we miss out on what God is actually doing in that place. We miss out on what God is doing in that generation. We miss out on what God is trying to do in our lives. We miss out on, out on how God is trying to correct the past. On how he's trying to tear apart generational demons from our family. It's, we, we miss out on that because we don't recognize who it is that is standing in front of us in that moment. So if you would come with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to start by reading verses 1 to 4. 1 Samuel chapter 18 verses 1 to 4. I'm going to be reading from the King James Version. And it says this. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. It's a very interesting passage of scripture. Actually, first time I read the passage of scripture um, recently, not the first time I read it, but the first time in a long time that I read it recently, I was drawn to the part where it says, Jonathan's soul was knit to the soul of David. It's, it's a word we've heard before, that the soul is knit. See, if you ask a man, what does it mean to be knit? We have to think of our wives, we have to think of our mothers to understand what knitting is. Many of us men, we don't know what it is to knit ourselves. We know what knitting is, but we've never done it to actually know what it is. But if you go and you speak to a woman who has knit before, they will tell you that knitting, it's the interweaving of different strands of fiber. That when you put it all together and you pull it nice and tight, it makes a piece of, a piece of cloth. It makes a, 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 a shirt, it can make a sweater, it makes pants, it makes many different things. And it's used to clothe, it's used to cover something. And so when the Bible says that Jonathan's soul was knit to that of David's, it says that there was different strands that when they came together, they made one thing. It made one being. And what, what the scripture is trying to talk to us is trying to talk to us about what it is to have a relationship between a son and a father. But how is it that we get the relationship of a son and a father from a Jonathan and a David? Because you see, Jonathan is carrying a mantle already. The mantle on Jonathan says that I am next in line to run the kingdom. Not you, David. 
I am. But still, the Bible says that his soul was knit to David's soul because David was carrying a mantle from God. See, Jonathan was carrying a mantle from his father, but David was carrying a mantle from God. And it's the mantle from God that speaks louder than any mantle that is placed on you by any family member, by any name that anyone has ever said about you, than anything any pastor can lay hands on and give you. A mantle from God speaks louder. A mantle from God speaks farther into the future. It says his soul was knit. Now, when I think of knitting... I think of the strands coming together, but it also reminds me in the, in the scripture when it talks about a cord of three strands. A cord of three strands cannot easily be. That's right. But you know a cord of two strands can be broken. As a matter of fact, did you know a cord of two strands cannot be woven together? It can only be twisted. But a cord of three strands can be woven. And when you weave it together, it says, doesn't say it cannot be broken. It says it cannot be easily broken. Because even though you make a cord of three strands, it can still be broken. The way you break a cord of three strands is when there is an opening in the weave. You see, so long as your cord, so long as your relationship with your covering is tight, so long as it is properly built and woven together, so long as there is no room for the enemy to get in and to create an opening, it cannot be easily broken. But the thing is that many times, our relationships are broken. How many of you here are pastors? Just raise your hand. How many of you can remember an experience you had with somebody that you considered your son that did not end well and he left offended? Slowly, slowly, hands are going up. Exactly. Why? It's because at one point, there was a gap that entered into the cord. There was a hole that opened up, and the cord lost its strength. So I want to talk to you about that. It says that Jonathan's soul was knit to it. Knit. Now, interesting enough, if you jump in John chapter 17, verses 11 to 12, this is Jesus who's praying, and he says, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled." You have to understand in this passage of scripture, now Jesus is now talking to the Father. And as he's going to the Father and he's praying, he has one request. He's praying and he's saying, I'm asking you, Father, for one thing. One thing, he says, and I'm not even asking for myself. He says, I am asking that they become one as we are one. You see, there's a lot we can understand about how the church is supposed to look and how the church is supposed to function if we study how Jesus prayed and if we study his relationship with the disciples. Because we always grew up in our churches understanding that the disciples were, were followers. They're disciples, but they're not. They were Jesus' spiritual sons. And I can prove it to you from the verse we just read. Because you see, Jesus is praying and he's saying, Father, I have one desire for, for them. I have one desire. My desire is that they become one as you and I are one. 
As a father and son, as we are one, I desire that they become one, that they become united, that they become tied together. So he's asking that something that is plural becomes singular. And he's saying the only way for it to be done is by a spiritual bond, which is why I'm coming to you, Father, because it can't be done here on earth. It's only God that can make us one, which is why with a husband and wife, it says when the two come together, right? It says what God has put together. It's not because a pastor prayed for you that you're put together. It's not because some, you went to, well, I don't know how it works here, but in Canada, you can even go to the justice system. You can go see a judge and they'll give you a little signature on a piece of paper and they say, congratulations, you're married. Pay $50. 50 Canadian dollars, not 50 rupees. So, but a husband and wife, when you get married, you become one because it's before God. That's why he says, whom God puts together, no one can separate. And so Jesus is praying and saying that same bond, that same oneness, Lord, I'm asking you for it to be so here on earth. Not only between a husband and wife, but for a father and a son. In the relationship, let them be one. And he says that they're his sons. When he says, I have kept all of them in your name, except for one. And he says, the son of perdition. Now, wait a minute. He says, these are the ones that you've given to me. See, sons are given to the father. The father's not given to the sons. We have to correct our thinking. Okay? It's not the father who works for the sons. It's the sons who work for the fathers. The father sits on the throne and makes righteous judgments, correction, and interpretation. It's the sons who rule the kingdom for him. And so he's saying, I've only lost one. All of these you have given them to me. All of these, you were give, they were given to me in your name. And I have kept every single one of my sons except for the son of perdition. Now you have to understand something. He just finished praying for them to be one. And he's saying the son of perdition is already lost. Why was the son of perdition already lost? The son of perdition was lost was because he walked away before the transformation took place. See, Jesus just prayed for them to become one. The son of perdition was lost because he never became one. He walked away before he had the opportunity to become one. This is how it is when it says Jonathan and David were knit together. That transformation where a son or a daughter becomes one with the father. So you have to become one with your spiritual covering for you to function in your father's mantle. As Christians, we go through life. As pastors, we go through life trying to get our mantle. Trying to function in an anointing. If you can understand that there is a shortcut. If you can understand that you can function in somebody else's anointing. In somebody else's mantle by the way I submit and the way I become one with him. The way I become one with her. You will understand that you will get miles faster in one step. But to become one, that transformation process is what is the hardest. That is what is the hardest. So David and Jonathan make this bond. And Jonathan takes off everything that is on him and he gives it to David. And if you look at verse 4, it says, And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David. And his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his 
girdle. Now, I don't know about India, but in Canada, I know what a girdle is. In Canada, they use it for two things. Now, ladies, if it's the same here, don't say anything, because I don't want to know. In football, they put on what is called a girdle. It's a protective piece of equipment that goes around your midsection to protect you from unnecessary interruptions. That's a girdle for a man. For a woman, they use a girdle to tighten up the midsection so that they look less experienced in life. And so now, <laughs> be very careful. And so now Jonathan takes everything off of him and he gives it to David. And now he's left standing there in his girdle. He has nothing on except his girdle. And this is exactly the way a son and a father's relationship is supposed to be. A son and a father's relationship, a son is supposed to be left standing in his girdle before his father. What does that mean? Vulnerability. Vulnerability. So many times we're scared of what people are going to think of us. It's almost like we have to create this incredible image of ourselves that I'm a, I'm a holy Christian. Did you pray? Yes, I prayed. Yeah, you prayed five minutes from your car to the church. Did you read your Bible? Yes, I did. You read a daily verse when you woke up in the morning because your phone was beside your bed. Yeah. It's like all of these things. Did you worship the Lord? Yes, I worship the Lord. Why? Because you raised your hand? Worship is deeper than that. Right? It's so much more than that. And so he's left standing in his girdle. And it's a sign of him saying, listen, I have nothing left to expose to you. My father sees me as I am. Everything that I could possibly hide, I willingly choose to expose it to you. See me, my father. I have nothing left to hide from you. And that is the way God designed a relationship between the mother, father, and the son, daughter. And in churches, we think it's cool just to call the pastor our dad, our spiritual father. But we have no understanding of what it means. Just like when they come to Jesus and they say, Master, Master, it's like, you have the foggiest idea what you're talking about. Oh, good teacher. Why are you calling me good? I don't know. It sounded good. Exactly. You don't know. Why are you calling me dad if you don't have the revelation? Because when you get a revelation, that's when you become transformed. That's what Jesus was saying. Make them one. Give them that revelation. So that way they can never be separated. Because in the church, the enemy is always looking to separate, bring division, break the church in two. And it happens in so many churches, not just in India, not just in Canada, but all over the world. The enemy brings division. Why? Because fathers and sons don't have the relationship that the Bible talks about. You see, the father is supposed to see your nakedness. It's you who is not supposed to see your father's nakedness. Your father has a father. He doesn't need to be vulnerable to you. He needs you to be vulnerable to him. Why? Because his role is to correct you. 
His role is to help you. His role is to promote you. But he can't promote you unless he can trust you. So you need to expose. And this is Jonathan standing before David. Fully exposed. Saying, my life is now given to you in a covenant relationship. A covenant. Something that cannot be broken. You understand that when he took off his robe, that was him taking off his mantle. Saying, yes, I have plans. There are things that I, I think God wants to do in my life. I have desires of ministries I want to do. Starting my own ministry. Opening my own church. But I'm taking all that off and I'm laying it down before my spiritual covering. And I'm saying, I'm giving it to you. I'm letting it go completely so that I can submit and serve you. Jonathan takes off and says, listen, I'm supposed to be next in line, king. But David, I'm giving it to you. Why? Because I recognize that there is a higher mantle that is on you. I recognize that God has chosen you for my life. And so he makes that covenant. Now that covenant was not just for Jonathan. That covenant was for Jonathan's family as well. And every time you come into a covenant relationship with your spiritual mother and spiritual father. Every time you come into a relationship that you are bent on keeping and you refuse at any cost to let anything get inside that cord to create an opening, what happens is you create a bond that cannot be broken. When you have a bond that cannot be broken, you begin to draw on everything that they carry. Now you have to understand, I said, a father, your father also has a father. If you study the word of God, Every time there was a blessing, it went from one man to his son, and then from his son to the grandson, and then from the grandson to the great-grandson, and so on and so forth. So when you are in that relationship with your father, you're not just drawing from your father. You're drawing from your father's father. So do you know who your father's father is? Because that's what you're drawing from. Do you know who your father's father's father is? Because that's what you draw from. If you can understand how to maintain that connection, how to defend that covenant relationship, how to submit to it, how to keep him at the top in your life. You will begin to see things happen in your life without you having to pray. We came from 14 days of fast in our church. And 14 days of fasting, it was absolutely sublime. I know some of you guys were watching online. Some of you heard the testimonies. Uh, somebody had gotten $50,000 Canadian dollars that was given to them. But then when they went in to talk to the person, it got changed to 75000 I don't know if you guys heard, but when they actually went to pick up the check, it wasn't 75000 It was 100000 Now, what you don't understand, there are people in the church that were given certain amounts by God. And everyone thinks, is, is it because they, they did something special? Is it because just staying connected, staying connected to your covering, refusing to let go of your covering allows people to draw from what their covering carries. And this is where, listen, I can tell you testimonies in my own life where things happen, right? Where I wasn't looking for anything and things just started happening why because there was a connection that i maintained with my spiritual covering and the church today has forgotten about maintaining the relationship with spiritual covering we're happy when our spiritual father walks into the house we're happy when our spiritual mother walks into the house we're happy when our spiritual father preaches a good message and we're excited and we celebrate it but at the same time a 
spiritual covering, a spiritual mother and father goes beyond the doors of the church. Your spiritual mother and father are the ones placed by God, sent by God into your life. You see, a father has to wait for the son to locate him. The son is the one who has to pursue getting a spiritual covering. When you get your spiritual covering is where things in your life begin to change. Things in your life that are going crooked, things that are in disorder start to become straight. You know, there is a certain type of a light that makes the crooked paths straight. If you go look in the book of Revelations chapter 1 verse 20, it's a very interesting verse. Let me pull it up for you. It says, the mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest thou in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks, which thou sawest, are the seven churches. Read it, read it again. The mystery of the seven what? The mystery. So it's a mystery. These seven stars are a mystery, which thou sawest in my right hand. They're in whose right hand? You know the answer. They're in God's right hand. It says, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels. Everyone say angels. Of the seven churches. When you study scripture, you realize that when in Revelation, it's talking about the angels of the seven churches. It's using the word angel, angelos. It's using the word as a messenger. And so it's saying the messenger of those churches. In other words, it's saying the pastor of those churches. So now it's saying the pastors of those churches to God, in God's words, are considered angels. And he says these angels are in my right hand. And he's saying it's a mystery to you. Why? Because you don't understand how to God these are angels. And you don't understand the type of light that they carry being angels in the right hand of God. And so that's why when you come into alignment with an angel that is carrying a light mantle, everything in your life that where there is darkness begins to have the light of God shone on it. And when the light of God shines on any dark area in your life, it begins to come into perfect order according to scripture. But for that to happen, it doesn't come by you just calling someone dad. It doesn't come by you just calling someone mom because you see Judas walked with Jesus the whole time that all the disciples walked with Jesus Judas saw all the miracles that the rest of the disciples saw Judas heard all the messages that all the other disciples heard Judas was there for crying out loud when Jesus walked on the water still he walked away so just because you are with them at church, just because you call them a specific name, just because you hear their preaching, that is not what makes you a son. Think about that for a second. That is not what makes you a son. That vulnerability of standing in your girdle before your father, that vulnerability of saying, listen, you can trust me and I can trust you. It's a bond that I don't have with anybody else. Can I share something with you? There's something that is well known in my house. How many of you have heard in life, it's supposed to be God, your wife, ministry, and everything else? 
right? God, your wife, your children, ministry, etc., etc., etc. How many have heard that before? It's not so. It's not so at all. There's God, yes. And there is everything else. There's God and there's, because God is first place, right? But at the same time, God is first place. There are still places in our lives. So under God, what comes next? I'm going to ask you a very touchy question, which will, I'm sure will come up possibly in a question tomorrow afternoon. After God, is it your wife or is it your spiritual covering? And maybe I'll just leave that there. Can your wife make you more like God? Can your wife make you more like your spiritual parents? Can your spiritual parents make you more like God? Why? Why? You see, your wife can inspire you to love God more, but your spiritual covering makes you more like God. Why? Because it's a mantle that they carry as being sent by God into your life. That's why when you have a spiritual covering that steps into your life, they make you love your wife more. They make you love your children more. They make you love Jesus more. They make you run more after the Holy Spirit. They make you hungry for the Word of God. They make you explode with love in worship. That's a mantle that they carry. So I have my God, my spiritual covering, then my wife and children, and everything else that follows. And as my spiritual father says, never be too connected with the church. The church has gone the wrong way in the past number of years, okay? We have become a place that is interested in membership, in getting attendees, and getting people into the church. That was never the design of church. Yes, go preach the gospel, but it was never about getting numbers. It was never about getting membership. Oh, okay, I, oh, I'm, I'm, part of, I'm part of the church in, the, you know, in Ephesus. I'm part of the church in Corinth. It had nothing to do with what part of the church you were with. It had to do with you becoming a son and a daughter of the kingdom. That's what it's all about. Becoming a son and daughter. So Jesus is saying, listen, I want them to finally grasp what it is to be a son and be a daughter. You see, if we don't go through the process of transformation, that process of becoming vulnerable and exposing everything there is in us, then what you don't, what you don't expose, what you hide, is what will manifest. When it manifests, it will be too late. Because everything in darkness is where things grow. Then when it shows up, it's because it can't be hidden anymore. It's gotten too big. Then when it shows up is where division is imminent. Which is why there has to be a light from a spiritual covering that is shone on it as you grow. It's a growing process. It's a growing process of walking with your spiritual father, walking with your spiritual mother, exposing who you are. Listen, I have mind battles against you, dad. I have offenses against you, mom, dad. I have offenses in my heart. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. Exposing who you are. It keeps you soft, humble, 
and sensitive, which is everything the enemy cannot use to create a division. When you remain like that, what spiritual covering wouldn't want to promote you and lift you up? See, many times, that's why Jesus says that the first in the kingdom shall be last and the last shall be first. We haven't understood that we say, oh, humbleness and humility, but that's an action. It's an action of me becoming vulnerable. It's an action of me dying to myself. It's an action of me willingly choosing to lower myself and submit myself to another man. See, we grew up in religious circles where we say, oh, I only submit to Jesus. I only submit to God. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, hey, submit to your earthly masters. Isn't that what it says? And now we are man, and God says, here's a mystery. I'm placing an angel over you. I'm placing somebody who has access in the supernatural as an angel over you. So he says, every time you're submitted to this person, they come into your life, bringing the supernatural into the natural, and they're able to produce change. They're able to cause an effect that can have an effect for years and generations to come by you submitting to them. <clears throat> I'm going to share this with you. Going back, we talked about Jonathan and David. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 to 11, it says this. And David said, now follow me, okay, because it's a long passage of scripture, follow me. And David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? For whose sake? He wants to show kindness to Jonathan? Who does he want to show kindness to? David's looking for anyone that was connected to the person who made a covenant relationship with him so that the kindness of God might be upon them. And he says, now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, by the way, that was a lie. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled. He's in the state of brokenness. His life is in shambles. His heart is broken. He's wounded. In his feet and the king said to him where is he and Ziba said to the king he's in the house of Machir the son of Amiel at Lodabar then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir the son of Amiel at Lodabar by the way Lodabar actually means a dry place Lodabar means a place where there is no water a place where there's no grass there's no trees you can't live there. There's no habitation. And as a matter of fact, when you study scripture, there's a place, I believe it is in Matthew, that says that the demons were cast out. And it says that they go, they go in waterless places. So when demons, where demons live, are in places like Lodabar. And where's Mephibosheth? He's in Lodabar. He's in a place where demons attack, where demons roam. In a place where there is no freedom. This is where Mephibosheth, now this is the son of someone who had a covenant relationship with the man of God. And he's in Lodabar. And so he says the first thing that must happen is Mephibosheth has to leave Lodabar. So Judas, although he was walking with the father, although he was walking with the spiritual father, in his life he was living in a place 
of dryness. He was living in a place where demons were still able to attack him. He was still living in a place where the mantle on his spiritual covering was unable to affect him. And it was because he was still in his own Lodabar. And David carrying the mantle of God says, listen, if you want any part of the covenant, the first thing that must happen is you have to release Lodabar. First thing that must happen is you have to step out and you have to walk away from the place of dryness. You have to walk away from your Lodabar, walk away from that place of rebellion. You see, inside us, every one of us has rebellion. Listen, there's no cute sister here saying, oh no, brother, I don't have, you all have it. I have it. We all have rebellion in us. The only thing preventing rebellion from taking over is exposing it, which is why wearing a girdle is so important. That rebellion in us, if it is not properly exposed to our spiritual covering, for our spiritual covering to properly deal with for our spiritual covering to properly cover himself because he carries the authority to cover our rebellion what happens is that rebellion turns us not only into a son but into a son of perdition which means at one point I had access to a kingdom mentality at one point I had access to the gifts of the kingdom I had access to the throne I had access to a covenant I had access to something that had no end to it but because of unexposed rebellion in my heart because of unexposed offenses in my heart because I decided to hide things in my heart and cover it up because I was ashamed of what my spiritual covering might think of me because I was ashamed not trusting them that they would love me for who I am because of that now I walk away from everything that I had access to because I didn't walk out of my Lodabar and so the first thing that makes you a son is your vulnerability the second thing that makes you a son is walking away from your Lodabar walking away from the rebellion in our hearts listen there's nothing wrong with exposing to your spiritual father that you have rebellion in your heart against him or against the ministry. Or listen, at times I wondered if, if God was actually real. I wondered if this was all fake. There's nothing wrong with exposing him. Exposing it is what allows him with his mantle to shine light into your life so that way you can properly see everything that is God. But unless we walk away from it, that transformation can't happen. And so the first thing to make you that son is vulnerability. Second thing to make you a son is you have to walk away from your Lodabar. And you have to do it willingly. Coming to your father willingly and exposing your heart to him. There is nothing wrong with, with calling up, example, if you're part of this church, calling up Pastor Preach or taking an appointment with Pastor Preach and say, listen, there's some things I really need to expose to you. I, just, I need to get them corrected because I know that God has planted me in this house. I know that God has made me a son and a daughter of BRC. I know that God has made me a son and a daughter of you, Pastor Preji and Pastor Rashmi. There is nothing wrong with taking an appointment and exposing who you are. Because once you expose yourself, you're on to the next point. Because at the next point, Mephibosheth comes. Comes to David and he bows down to the ground and he's afraid of what the covering is going to say. He's afraid of what the covering is going to do to him. Saying, listen, I know I've left my Lodabar and I've come to expose myself to you. Because I was in hiding. Because you see, when, when Jonathan died in battle and Saul died in battle, Mephibosheth's nurse picked him up and ran. Right? And in running, she fell and she dropped him and he became crippled. Why was she running? 
because she had no revelation of the covenant relationship that was already in existence between Father David and the Son. Had she understood that there was already a covenant relationship, instead of running away and hiding, you would have run towards the mantle. You would have run out towards the one that was sent into your life to bring alignment, to bring order, to bring the correction of God. You would have run towards him understanding that correction is a good thing from God. It's not something that we're supposed to hide from. Just because, just because we have pains from our past of people who have corrected us, people who have hurt us, people who have offended us, people who have not corrected us the right way, now we think that everyone else is going to be the same way. But your spiritual covering is completely different because they carry the heart of God. They carry the mind of God and they carry the hand of God so the more you can run towards instead of going to hide the less we end up broken in our lives the less I have to go through life with a crippled foot the less I have to go through life with a wounded heart with a fractured mentality so instead of running away I run towards my spiritual covering we have to correct the way the church thinks and functions towards, if we can do that, we can bring the kingdom of God into our church. Bring the kingdom of God here on earth. When people walk through the door, it'll be like the queen of Sheba walks in and says, my God, what is this place? How is it that there are people that function like this? She will see something and say, I've never seen a place like this before. Why? Because it is the perfect order of heaven on earth. So Mephibosheth comes and he exposes himself to David. And he's on the ground. And he says, here I am, a dead dog. A dead dog before you. I'm not going to go into the dead dog part because I can get really long. But he says, I'm a dead dog who's lying before you. And he says, here I am, I'm your servant. You realize he says, I'm your servant. You go and study that word servant, he doesn't mean servant. He says, I'm your slave. So when Mephibosheth comes, you have to understand, he's coming as this grand, the spiritual grandson to David. He is still under the covering of David, even though his mind has not been renewed to accept his position. Do you understand what I'm saying? That you can have a spiritual father... But still not respond and behave like a son or daughter. In your mind, your mind has not been freed to say, I am a son. He is my father. This is a divine relationship. Your mind has not been freed. So instead of responding as a son, you end up responding as a slave. That's where the slave mentality comes from. It's because you're not at peace in your relationship with your spiritual covering. So then you come to church and you work in the church just so that way you can be part of a ministry. Just that way you have a place of belonging. I want to get involved in media. I want to be part of worship. I want to set up the chairs. I want to greet people at the door. You do things for the sake of being seen. You do something for the sake of being involved in the church. But not because you say, this is my house. And I'm taking care of it. Why? Because my mother and my father are occupied. They're with God preparing to bring a word that's going to shift my life. So I need to take care of the ground. I need to manage the house. You see, a son and a daughter, the mind of a son and a daughter is very different from the mind of a slave. Can I share with you a few elements? A slave was purchased. They had no choice. They had to do something because they're in the church. They have to do something because somebody asked them to do it. They had to do something because somebody told them to do it. The slave mentality is I don't have a choice. But a son and a daughter are set free from that I don't have a choice mentality. And they say, I have a choice. I can choose not to do it. But I choose to do it because I love my mother and father. I choose to do it because I love the house. We covered that one. 
Second one, slaves are always looking for a way to leave the house. When you're a slave, when you're purchased and you're in captivity, you're not in a place where you want to stay there. So what happens is all it takes is someone to come along who has a little offense in their heart because they were corrected from the pastor of the church. And so now they're speaking to you and that poison is now making its way into your heart. Little bit by little bit by little bit. Until eventually because you're not a rooted son and daughter, because you're not rooted in the relationship with the spiritual covering of the house, what happens is that takes offense. It takes root in your heart and it grows into rebellion. And because you are not a son and daughter who has a trusted relationship with the father and with the mother of the house, you're not exposing it. And so because you're not exposing it, it's growing in darkness because their light is not shining into your life. And as it grows in that darkness, eventually it manifests. And now because of that slave mentality, you're looking for a door to get away instead of a son who's looking to stay here because they say, this is my house. I grew up here. Sons and daughters grow up with the mother and father. Sons and daughters say, I have nowhere else to go. Where am I going to go? This is my mom. This is my dad. Why would I even think about going anywhere else? But yet today we have so many people. They go to this church and that church and that church and that church. They're mixing theologies. They're mixing spiritual coverings. They're missing, mixing spiritual blessings. They're putting their tithe in so many different places. They're all messed up. And they say nothing's going on in my life until eventually... They just give up on being passionate about Jesus. They call themselves a Christian, but that passion is no longer there. And they don't know why. And it's because a long time ago, God gave you a place to stay. And you didn't stay there. Because you were still carrying the slave mentality instead of the son mentality. Instead of a daughter mentality. Slaves, they always have to be told what to do in the house. You walk in and someone has to come and tell you, listen, can you set up the chairs? Can you come? Can you, can you give out envelopes for tithe? Can you come? Can you go and get the media equipment? Can you help the worship team set up? They always have to be told what to do. But a son and daughter, they walk through the doors and they say, listen, we need everything to be perfect. What has to get done? They look for what has to get done. Slave, they take care of their master. But a son takes care of his father. Taking care of your master is very different from taking care of your father. Because to a slave, when the master dies, he's like, praise God, I'm free. But to a son, when your father is wounded, when your father is hurting, when your father is sick, a son cries. A son weeps for his father. A son takes care of his father. A son runs to his father and mother. A son is there to lift them up. A son is there to fight for his father and his mother. That's the difference. Slaves and sons and daughters. The church is full of them and people don't know where they are and which one they are. Make a decision today which one you're going to be. He comes, he says, I'm a dead dog. I'm a slave. People with a slave mentality who don't deal with it eventually end up becoming dead dogs or snakes people who are sons end up becoming a father today naturally anybody can have a, a baby and technically become a mother and father but just because you have a child that's not what makes you a mother and father a mother and father it's an identity being a son and a daughter is another identity the 
church needs that identity to come back we need to let go of the slave mentality the things that hold us back from connecting with our man of God from connecting with the woman of God we have to come to a point where we understand that they're not my spiritual covering because I walked through the doors of this church they're your spiritual covering because the Holy Spirit dragged you in here and caused you to locate them who are supposed to speak over your life for the rest of your days if you follow the life of David when he had sons he would give land to his sons and his sons would go and they would stay in different places a lot of times we wonder how come blessings are not flowing to me why is it that I'm unable to tap into the blessings I see my spiritual covering is blessed I see them tapping into the rich the riches of heaven the riches of God's glory I see them tapping into the miraculous how is it I can't get that to manifest into my life? You have to investigate your life. Investigate the way you think. Self-evaluate your heart. Look into your spirit. You know, David, Lord, if there be anything wicked inside of me. Come on. If David the father is praying that, how could a son and daughter not pray it? The very fact that a son and daughter prays it shows that you're in alignment with the father's heart. That I be exposed. That anything that's inside my heart that is not of God. Anything that's inside of me that is fighting my covering. Anything that is inside of me that is fighting what God is doing in the house. I expose it, Lord. I expose it. Continue to pray in tongues. There are things in our lives that have made our heart numb. And in the New Testament, and even in the Old Testament, there it says that there are elements that make the heart dull. From my own understanding, what I've come to realize is that there are two ways for a heart to become sensitive again. If you're a leader in this house, or if you're a pastor in this house, and you say, listen, there is dullness in my life that I have not exposed. There's dullness in my life, in my heart, that I have been unable to get rid of. And I want it out and it's not going away. Two things that correct dullness of the heart. Number one, tears from weeping in the presence of God. And number two, the prayer of a spiritual father. Because a spiritual father has been given spiritual authority over you. See, everyone, people will say, yes, but we all carry the same grace. We all have same access to God the Father. We're all children of God. Yes, but still in the kingdom, there's a hierarchy. Still in the kingdom, there was Paul and a Timothy, even though both children of God. Even in the kingdom of God, there were still prophets who had to raise sons to walk after them. I don't come to just bring you information. I don't come so that way you can just get an understanding of what it is spiritual son and spiritual daughter of a father and mother that's not the purpose of this the reason why this is being released into the atmosphere over your life is so that way you can pull it down and the thing is many times our man of God is speaking 
on a Sunday or speaking on another day of the week or speaking in a private meeting or speaking to us one-on-one in an appointment and we don't know how to pull down what he is speaking into our lives because you see a man of God speaks over your life he doesn't speak into your life because if you're a brick wall his words don't go in that's why the Bible is saying that the Pharisees, it says their hearts were dull. And that's why Jesus was speaking in, par- in parables. He was saying I'm speaking in parables because they're, they have dull hearts. They're hard of hearing. So even Jesus can be speaking to you and you can still miss what he's trying to do in your life. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus is speaking over you. And he's trying to... He's trying to bring you to not just a certain level of understanding. He's trying to bring you to a new level of operating in the Spirit. Because you see many of us pray in tongues or all of us pray in tongues. And maybe we have visions and maybe we have dreams. But operating in the Spirit realm is completely different from just having visions and dreams. I'm talking about becoming an actual spiritual surgeon and beginning to operate in the Spirit realm. You see, it has its roots in being able to draw from the mantle of my father. So if my father is speaking over me and I'm unable to draw from his words into my life, I won't know how to use my spiritual tools in order to operate in the spirit realm over my wife and over my children, in my job place, over my brother and my sister. Do you know why we call them men of God? We're probably going to get a teaching on this a little bit later. But do you know why they're called a man of God? Because they are both man and God. How many of you were shocked by me when I just said that? It's okay. Not if you're, you're a little shocked to scared to raise your hands. It's okay. They're called a man of God because they are both man and God. So how could you call another man God? How could you do that? Isn't there only one God? Yes, there's only one God. There's only one God. But if the man of God was sent to you, then when God sent Moses to Israel, he says, you will be to them as God. You see, many times we're more worried about God being jealous of his own image than he actually is. We take things, we become hyper-spiritual. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it as it is. We become hyper-spiritual. We become very religious. Come on, we got to grow up. We got to seriously grow up. God is not scared. God is not scared. He says, I sent someone into your life and the person who's speaking over to you is both man and God. Your ability to draw on every word that they speak is based on your ability to see them as both man and God because you see they are man in the sense that they have flaws they have weaknesses they can fall as well but they are God in the sense that they have been placed there with a voice that speaks over you from God they bring correction in the spirit realm over you just by you sitting in their presence you see you're not listening to God you're not listening to God's voice right now you're listening to my voice But what you don't know is how long I've sat in the presence of God in order to be able to speak one word over your life. You see, this house belongs to Apostle Preachy. Do you know how he sits in the presence of God for you? Do you know how he weeps for you? 
Do you know how his heart beats for you? And do you know how blessed you are because God sees the heart of a father that weeps and cries and prays and beats for the children of the house. So everyone who comes into alignment with that covering begins to draw on the blessings. See, when he stands up and he begins to speak to you about Joshua and he begins to speak to you about the Jordan River, he's not telling you a cute Bible study. He's not sharing with you just the devotion of the day to open up the day. He's giving you your first manna of the day. The most critical, the most important meal of the day. The breakfast. You can skip all other meals in the day. But if you miss your breakfast, it doesn't give you the energy and nutrients to get through the day. So when the father of the house steps up and he gives you that first word of the day, he's giving you what you need that is more important than anything else you're hearing in the day. So there's no blessings in my life. If I see my spiritual father tapping into the blessings of heaven and I don't see those same blessings in my life overflowing into my life, I need to investigate myself. And when you still don't see what's going on, you got to understand you were never called to go through life alone. That's why God sent a man into your life. That's why God sent somebody to speak into your life run to them say listen i don't know what i'm doing wrong i don't know what i'm doing wrong but please correct me you see your spiritual father doesn't have to correct you correction is a blessing it's not mandatory he doesn't have to fix your life he's sent by god to simply speak a word over your life and one word from your spiritual covering one word from a man of God should be able to correct everything that is out of order in your life. One word. Correction has to be something that we desire. Correction has to be something that I run after the man of God for. Correction has to be something that I crave and that I weep for. There were times I was in my office at church and I would go in in the morning and I would fall on my knees and I would begin to weep and cry and say, precious Jesus, I need my father to correct me. I need him to speak into my life and bring alignment where things have gone out of order. I'm telling you, because God is faithful, because God sees every one of your tears, it wouldn't even be five minutes my spiritual father, prophet Shaiju Matthew, would walk through my door and say, son, sit down. I need to speak with you. And I'd be, yes, dad, speak. Because I knew what was coming. And it's a joy when you desire to be corrected by your covering. When you desire for them to speak into your life. To bring order where things have gone astray. You no longer become offended when they correct you. You begin to embrace it and say thank you for correcting me because them correcting you is a sign of how much they love you because if your covering doesn't care for you if they don't love you they'll let you go your own way do your own thing because not everyone who goes to church is a son or a daughter you see Jesus told his father in the prayer he says I have kept all of those that you have given to me he ministered to thousands of people 
But he says, those that you gave to me, I kept. So you could be in a church of 100 people. You could be in a church of 5,000 people. You could be in a church of 50,000 people. Doesn't mean they're all sons and daughters. Sons and daughters, can you align yourself with the Father? Can you run to him and say, I want, I want to be a son and daughter. I want to connect my heart and my soul. I want to be knit together with you. Lord willing, Lord willing, tomorrow I'd like to take this a little bit deeper. Because I believe that God is doing something in your lives. I believe God is doing something in this house. Is it okay if I just pray? I ask you to close your eyes. We're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for your sweet presence that's here. Holy Spirit, it's only the beginning. Holy Spirit, I believe you've only just begun. I see things in the Spirit. I see things that are separated coming together. What I actually saw was I saw two hearts combining, becoming one. So I know that God is healing. Things that were broken, things that were separated are becoming one. I know many of you are having new life that is being spoken into your spirit. I know many of you right now are feeling a new love and a new, a new a divine connection with your spiritual covering. I want you to know that that is not just because I spoke to you. I want you to know that what has happened here is because God has been speaking over this house. And God is bringing you into a new season of walking in the spirit. In the days and in the months and in the years to come, you're going to see the blessings of heaven begin to flood into this house. Someone say, Holy Spirit, take over. Say, Holy Spirit, take over me. All that is in my heart, all that is hidden in my heart, Lord, I expose it. I expose it to your light. I expose it to your light. Holy Spirit, let my spiritual covering see me for who I am. Use me, Lord. Make me a son and a daughter. I surrender to you, Lord. 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 So I let go of ministry. I let go of fame. I let go of my image. I let go of trying to get my own name known. I let go of it. I let go of all of my own desires, my own ambitions. I let go of it all. To submit to my covering, to be a son, to be a daughter of the house.